Hi, welcome to the Demystifying Minds podcast. My name is Hannah Oxenham, and thank you so much for coming along and listening to this podcast today. Because what it says is that you have a loved one who is experiencing OCD and that you want to help, and that is amazing. And so today, what I'm hoping is that I can demystify what OCD is for you. Because experiencing OCD can be difficult not just for your loved one, but also for you as well. You know, it's probably affected your life. You might have to take on more tasks at home and getting out of the house can take forever now, or you're just not able to engage in the activities that you used to. And all of this can make it really difficult for you and maybe put you at your wit's end. So you've come along here to listen to this podcast because you want to know what you can do to help. And how you can stop feeling like you're at your wit's end. Well, the first step in helping is understanding. So actually knowing what it is your loved one is experiencing. So that's how we're going to start the podcast today. Explaining what is OCD. So what is OCD? OCD is an acronym for Obsessive Compulsive Disorder. The Diagnostic and Statistical Manual is what professionals, so doctors, psychologists, and psychiatrists use when they're going to diagnose someone with OCD. And it outlines a set of criteria they need to meet. So what I'm going to do in this episode is to take these criteria and put them into a more understandable and relatable nutshell for you. Someone experiencing OCD has both obsessions and compulsions. And for each person, these can be vastly different. So I just want you to keep that in mind. Now let's break down obsessions and compulsions. Obsessions are persistent thoughts or urges or images. And some examples of these are a fear of contamination, of illness, unwanted sexual thoughts, a fear of losing control or concerns around religion and wanting to be perfect. Now, sometimes when people say obsessions, we kind of sit there and think, well, Everyone gets a little bit obsessed, like with a new song that keeps playing in your head over and over, or at work when you want to write the perfect report, so you keep going over it. But for people experiencing OCD, these obsessions often feel intrusive and are unwanted or even un kind of helpful. And as a result, they can cause the person quite significant distress and anxiety. Now, you have a loved one who's experiencing OCD. So it's possible that you've actually witnessed this distress and anxiety their obsessions cause. Now we have compulsions. So how do they come into this? So compulsions are kind of a result of this distress and anxiety that the person experiences because of their obsessions. So they perform their compulsions in an attempt to alleviate or suppress this anxiety and distress. So their compulsions are repetitive behaviours or mental acts that they perform. And some examples are cleaning, checking, praying, counting. But again, these are just a small number of the possible compulsions. Now, I'm going to get up my soapbox for a little bit here. Because something that I've noticed in our society that really kind of upsets me, to be honest, is people saying things like, 
don't we all have a little bit of OCD in us? You know, maybe you see a picture frame hanging on the wall and it's a bit off centre, so you have this kind of, feel like you need to go over and fix it, and so you do, you go over and you straighten it up. And so people kind of joke about you having OCD or maybe you just like things to be neat. And so people joke and they say, oh, you're so OCD. But you're not. And for someone experiencing OCD, realistically, their compulsions are not going to neutralize or prevent what they believe it will. And they're often excessive. And because of this, They don't want to perform these compulsions. They don't want to have these obsessions. But they do and they feel like they can't help it. And something you might have noticed, and probably part of the reason you've come along today, is that these obsessions and compulsions can become really time-consuming. You know, and they cause problems with the person's ability to relate to others, to engage socially and even at work and a million other areas of their functioning. And so therefore, unlike when people say they have a little bit of OCD, someone who's actually experiencing OCD finds it quite distressing. So therefore, when people make jokes about having a bit of OCD because they feel the need to fix a picture frame or have things tidy, well, that's actually quite offensive to someone who's experiencing OCD because it belittles what they're going through. Now, I'm going to step back down off my soapbox and continue on with that episode today, but I just think it's really important to be aware of the language we use sometimes. So I hope this has given you a bit of a better idea of what it is your loved one has actually been diagnosed with. So now you know what OCD is, but what you might want to know, and what a lot of people don't quite understand, is what actually causes OCD and the big one and something you've probably said to yourself or to your loved one, why can't they just stop? You know, i take you back to the picture frame example I used earlier. So if you saw a picture hanging on the wall and it was off centre, you might want to go over and fix it, but you don't need to. And you could stop yourself, you could walk away, And not give it a second thought. But for people experiencing OCD, they can't walk away from their obsessions and compulsions. Therefore, whilst it's hard, you need to remember that your loved one isn't choosing or wanting to experience these obsessions and compulsions. But it's actually a neurobiological disorder. So what neurobiological disorder means is that there isn't actually something about the way their brain is wired and functions that causes these symptoms. So whilst usually and on the most part, our brain is pretty amazing and helpful, it can cause some issues, especially if we don't understand it. So what I'm hoping is that I can kind of demystify what it is that's going on in your loved one's brain that leads to their obsessions and compulsions they experience. Now, when trying to explain the brain, I like to use the metaphor where we think of a brain as a big corporate company, so made up of a heap of different departments, where each department has their own job and role in keeping the company running smoothly. And in order for these departments to do their jobs properly and keep the company running smoothly, 
they have to communicate effectively with each other. So problems occur when in the company when these departments don't communicate effectively. Or maybe when the communication systems are down. Now you've probably seen this in your workplace or your everyday life. When communication breaks down, that's when problems happen. So this is kind of similar to how the brain works. The brain is kind of like a big corporate company in that it is made up of different areas, each having its own job and role in keeping us functioning. And like the big company, when the areas of the brain don't communicate or can't communicate effectively, that's when people start having problems like OCD. So these scientists have been doing some pretty amazing research into the brain of those with OCD. And what they have found is that there is a communication problem between the part of the brain that tells us there is an error or something wrong and the part of the brain that attends to this problem. So if we refer back to the metaphor of a corporate company to think about this, it would be like the department that deals with finances. They go through, they check the finances and they find errors. So this department sends a message to another department who are tasked with fixing these errors. And this other department goes ahead and they fix the error. And then once they've done that, they have to send a message back to the other department to let them know that they have fixed the error and then kind of tick it off the list of things to do. But the problem is, is that that communication isn't getting through. Maybe an email accidentally got sent to junk mail. Or, as we know, it can't, sometimes they just disappear into cyberspace. And so the department that's finding the errors thinks that the other department hasn't fixed the error yet. And so they send the message again. And so that department goes ahead and they fix it again. And this keeps happening because the communication isn't getting through. And so neither department knows that the other has done their jobs. Now let's take this and think about it and relate it to a common OCD presentation. Take the fear of germs being the obsession and the need to clean being the compulsion. So what is happening in this person's brain is that it's sending all these signals saying, there's germs, you need to do something about this kind of danger basically. And so it sends this signal through to the area of the brain that tells the person to clean. So they go ahead and they start cleaning thinking they're cleaning up the germs. But the problem is the brain it just isn't registering that the germs are being cleaned. And so that part of the brain that's kind of scared and thinking germs, you need to do something, keeps sending this message saying there's still germs, you need to do something because it's not getting the signal saying that the germs are gone and that the germs are being cleaned up. And so that's why someone with OCD around germs and contamination feel like they have to keep cleaning. So that's kind of in a nutshell what is happening in someone's brain with OCD. Their communication systems are down and so they feel like they need to perform these compulsions. But don't lose hope because like I said earlier our brains are pretty amazing and therefore your loved one's brain can actually be trained to improve this signal. However, doing this training isn't something they can do alone or something you can do for them. So whilst it's amazing that you want to help and you listening to this podcast is definitely the first step in helping, 
There are some things you can't do alone. And this brings me to one of my first pieces of, of advice. And that is to encourage you to support your loved one in seeking professional help if they haven't already. So they're going to need support because actually admitting that they need help can be really daunting for people. You're admitting that maybe there is something wrong. So therefore, you supporting and encouraging them will be really helpful. Further, if your loved one has already seeked professional help, then they're going to need your support because they're likely having to put in a lot of really hard work and doing some really difficult things in order to strengthen those connections and that communication back up. So that's my first piece of advice. Support and encourage them to seek professional help and to stick with it. The second thing I want to highlight is that now you have a bit more understanding and you know that they can't just stop. I want you to try to be more mindful of this. Now, I know it can be hard to have a loved one with OCD and sometimes their obsessions and compulsions really get on your last nerve. And as a result, they can cause some tension and conflict between the two of you. But what studies have found and from experience we know is that tension and fighting can actually increase the severity and the occurrence of their obsessions and compulsions, which is just going to make you more frustrated. And as a result, it kind of causes a bit of a vicious cycle. Now, I do want to add a little caveat to this. Even though what I've said today explains to you that your loved one can't stop or control their obsessions without professional help, and that maybe you getting openly frustrated with them isn't going to benefit anyone, I'm not saying that you should partake in their obsessions and compulsions. When we have someone we love and they're struggling, our instinct is to take away that struggle. And so your instinct with your loved one may be to take on their compulsions or to help them avoid places that trigger their obsessions. But this isn't teaching them anything. And if they're engaging in therapy, this is likely counteracting everything they've been working on. So just be more mindful and aware of how your actions could be playing into their obsessions and compulsions. And that can be really helpful. Just that bit of awareness. Now, that was a really short rundown of what OCD is. I could have gone on for hours. But what I'm hoping is this podcast has kind of started you on a road to learning. Because even though I know there are a heap of other podcasts and resources out there, they tend to focus on the person who's experiencing the OCD. And they kind of forget about the integral role that you as a loved one and support person plays. And so what I hope is that this podcast has given you some insight and demystified what it is that your loved one is experiencing. But also that it shows to you how important you are. And just by coming along and listening to this podcast, you're increasing your understanding and that alone is helping you know you're putting in that effort and that's so amazing so I just want to say thank you for coming along listening to this podcast and I've hope that I've helped to demystify what OCD is for you